Talking about the things that make your home service business go. Marketing, finance, systems, people. This is the Fight Club for Business podcast. Makes me that much stronger. Makes me work a little bit harder. Makes me that much wiser. Thanks for making me fighter. And welcome to Fight Club. Welcome to Fight Club, everybody. Happy Tuesday and welcome back for another round of Fight Club. We're so excited to have you. Uh, I feel like we're on cloud nine a little bit after last week when we were all together doing our very first live panel with Fight Club with a live guest. And here we are again. Unfortunately, we're missing Tay this week, but we have Tom Reber with us, which we're very excited about. Uh, If this is your first Tuesday joining us, we are a team of industry experts who are here to help you fight for your business. Uh, We all own service-based businesses, and we come from four different areas of expertise. We cover uh, marketing, finances, systems, and people, and we come to you live every Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, to help you get some strategies to fight through your business. This was a project that was born out of COVID, and we are now going on almost 50 weeks strong, and um, (laughs) I'm really happy to be here on this Tuesday morning. My name is Megan Likes. I'm the founder of Bookkeeping Academy Online, where I educate and empower small business owners to know their numbers so that they can live more financially rewarding lives. I also own an accounting company, a full-service accounting company, so accounting's not your thing, money's not your thing, bookkeeping's not your thing. You can outsource that all to me and my team, and we can take care of it for you and help give you the numbers back that you need to make better decisions about your business. And I co-own a window cleaning and gutter cleaning company with my husband, Jeff, here in Northern California. Um, I like to say that that's my favorite business of them all, but Fight Club is a very close second these days. Um, So we're very happy to have you. And Tom, if you wouldn't mind just giving us a 30-second spiel of who you are, what you do, and um, introduce yourself to our guests if they haven't heard about you. Sounds good. I appreciate you guys having me, and it's, it's exciting that you guys have been doing this a year now. Michelle, yeah. Yeah. and I remember when you started it and first seeing it, <laughs> and a year went by like that. That's pretty crazy. So, um, so yeah, my name is Tom Reber. I'm the founder of a company called The Contractor Fight. We help uh, tens of thousands of contractors, literally around the globe, uh, get out of their own way and have stronger businesses. And uh, the fight's mission is to bring respect and dignity back to the trades and the fights between our ears. It's the six inches or so between your ears and that's 90% of the game. And so everything we do uh, is, is rooted in that, in that mission. And we have several different programs to help contractors of all different sizes. Um, you know, we have a sister company called the Contractor Sales Academy and uh, we, we train contractors actually how to not go out and give estimates. Uh, instead, you go out and pick up deposit checks or consultation fees. And, and so uh, we, we've been pushing out content here in the fight. Um, I don't know, a long time, long time. We have hundreds of YouTube videos, hundreds of podcasts, uh, thousands of social media posts and blogs and things like that. So we're, we're super excited to do what we do. And uh, I, I'm a, uh, I come from the painting world. I was a painting contractor for many years, did thousands and thousands of jobs and outside of Chicago and sold my half of the business in 2011, 2012, right in there and have been helping contractors since. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's a great, uh, it's a great gig getting to help people. Love that. Love that. I'm so happy you're here, Tom. I'm so happy. And I am Michelle Myers, co-owner of Pink Collars. And as you said on Facebook the other day, we help manage the chaos. I loved that. (laughs) We got a lot of feedback from that post of yours. And we answer phone calls and emails and chats and messaging and all of those ways that your uh, homeowner can reach your business. We can help manage those at Pink Collars. So I am super excited that you are here, Tom. And I will pass you on to Martha. Hey, Martha. (laughs) Hi, I'm Martha Woodward, and I am co-founder of Quality Driven Software, run some online courses all around culture, and then I am an absentee owner of a maid service in a neighboring state. So welcome to Fight Club, Tom. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, you're going to start with me first since Tay isn't here. We usually start with sales and marketing, and I am obsessed with your recent 
your recent uh, rant, I think is what you're calling it online. And you're saying that you want to be a rash for people. And every single morning you are yep. posting, what are your sales? So tell me why you're doing that for your members and for people that are following you. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the whole rash thing kind of was an accidental comment and, and it just kind of stuck. But yeah, every every day in our in our sales academy, I I show up like a bad rash. You know, they think they got rid of me and then I come back and I go, what did you sell today? New contracts only. And we're not talking revenue and deposits and, you know, but sign contracts and new work because what I had found in the group was quite frankly, and I think this is the case with most business owners and, and especially in the, in the service business world contractors is the phone rings, we get busy, we start doing projects and then you pop your head up out of the hole six weeks later, realize you don't have any work. Right. And, um, and so, you know, I just believe that wherever you put your attention, that that's going to grow, whatever it is. If I'm, if I'm putting my attention on not focusing on sales, then not having sales is going to get better. Right. And if I put my focus yep. every day on sales and, you know, I, I say that it, any day that your cash register is not ringing in business is a terrible day and you should consider jumping off of a bridge. So that's, you know, now I, I do this for effect. You know that Michelle, because I, it's a I wake people up. everybody's, you know, that's, yeah. you know, everybody's like, this is, this is my one gripe about coaches and speakers and experts and people that do what I do is we don't push the envelope enough with pattern interrupts and getting people out of their, their routines. And, and so I use some pretty strong language and examples and I yell at people for a living and um, it's, uh, but the results been great. So every day I show up and I'm like, what did you sell today? And if they have a zero, I do the little sad crying face emoji, <laughs> yep. you know, because that's what you should be doing. You should be crying. You didn't get any sales today. And, and, and Michelle, you've seen it. Guys are like, yeah, but if you ask me tomorrow, I'm, I'm supposed to sign a con. I'm like, I don't care yeah. about tomorrow. No. I Today care about matters. only as good. Yep. It's like a field goal kicker in the NFL. You're only as good as <laughs> the current kick, right? Yep. So it's, um, so yeah, that, that's the whole rash thing, but I just believe it's important to um, keep showing up. And there's a lot of responsibilities and pressures of owning a business. We all know that. And yeah. it's very easy to get knocked off track it's easy to get comfortable when your calendar's filled the phone's been ringing you have a lot of sales it's easy to take the eye off that and we just believe that everything's easier when you sell uh, Im implementing processes is easier the finances are easier uh, hiring is easier I mean everything is easier when you know that you have money coming in and I'd rather have that problem than than the opposite I'd rather figure yeah. out oh my god I mean there's one guy in the group <laughs> last night that posted I'm freaking the hell out because I have no idea how I'm going to produce everything. What's yeah. your advice? And I was like, keep selling. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah. you know, cause now you got money. Now you can afford to hire somebody. Like I'm yeah. not, I'm a hundred percent. We'll get the systems. I'm sure at some point here, Yeah. <laughs> but like, I'm, I'm not wired at all for processes yeah. and systems. I don't, you know, I don't wake up and think, and see the world in flow charts, you know, like some people do. And I think Neil, my wingman in the fight, he's my right-hand guy there. That's how he sees the world. I couldn't afford Neil if I didn't sell every day and if I didn't make money. And so yeah. my solution to many of my problems is outsource it, hire it away. Yeah. You can't do that if you're, not, if you're not selling every day. Yeah. So if I were to have my Tay hat on and we talked about sales, she would then turn around and ask you, well, how do you market your business? If you're a contractor or somebody out there in the field still doing the thing, how is your best marketing? What's your best marketing avenue? Um, what are you seeing work out there? Yeah. Um, all right. Let me, I got to back up a minute here. <laughs> okay. If you're still working in the field, that's cool. You can work in the field your whole life if you want to, but you have to understand that the minute you printed a business card that you were, that you made yourself that really looks bad, and but you're all proud of it, right? Because we've all done that. I made that card and I was all proud of that first business card many years ago, right? <laughs> and now I look at it, you know, my first painting company, I'm like, oh my God, that was horrible, but I was proud of it, right? So the day you print that card that you're proud of, 
that's the, and you open a business and you are the El Jefe, you're the owner, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you are now giving up the right to be a craftsman. Okay. That wow. doesn't mean that's still a role of yours. I get it, but it's like eighth on the list now. Marketing and selling are the only thing you exist for as a business. And this is where a lot of contractors pose themselves and they're on the hamster wheel. Speaking of, we just bought a hamster last night. So that's fresh in my mind <laughs> for my daughter for her birthday. But anyway. Nice. Um, <laughs> nice. Um, but guys are on the hamster wheel. They can't get off the hamster wheel. They can't understand. I've been in business for, you know, six, eight, 12 years and I'm still doing 200 grand a year. I'm like, if I've been in business more than three years and I'm not doing a million, I'm freaking out. And so and the reason people can't get over that hump and they're, they're reliving the same year every year for 20 years is they don't embrace the idea of being a marketer first. Nothing happens if this thing doesn't ring. Nothing happens if people aren't filling things out on your website. And, and so what's working first and foremost is, a, is an owner who's 100% the champion of, of building his brand. And whether he's doing stuff himself, whether he's hiring it out, that's still your job, right? Um, obviously, a website's got to be amazing. And it's got to be something that's content rich that isn't just a brochure, not all about you. Hey, look how cool we are in experience. But it digs into the prospect's pain and their desires and their pleasures and those things that they want. You know, it has to speak to them. So you got to take control of your online presence. Um, because so many new businesses or or businesses in general don't have big bags of money sitting around to spend with marketing companies. (laughs) We created a marketing bootcamp for contractors last year. And there's like 15 modules and we get into everything from email marketing, uh, which I I cost myself at least $2 million in my first two and a half, three years of business many years ago, because I didn't have a database. I didn't, I didn't, I had no database. And I didn't know that you were supposed to keep in touch with the people that have already <laughs> reached out to you, right? So yeah. um, so as I got that in order, it's crazy how quickly the money comes when you just stay in contact. And I don't mean just go, hey, how's it going? Buy my stuff, but yeah. add value to them. And so, Michelle, you know, everything that comes through me in the fight is is based in content marketing and yeah. educating. Mine, my number one strategy in any business that I'm a part of and own and have is there's strategy and tactics, right? There's, I'm going to do Facebook ads. That's a tactic. Okay. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to do door knocking. That's a tactic. I'm going to write a blog. I'm going to, whatever. Those are tactics. Those are things we do. I always encourage people to, before you start throwing tactics against the wall and spending money that you, you don't know if you should spend or not. Um, figure out, I always encourage people to do three main strategies. Okay. So I'll give you an example. My number one strategy, and I always start a strategy with the, with the term, what if, mm-hmm. not what if I did okay. Facebook ads? What if I did Google? Cause that doesn't make any sense. But instead I go, what if, what if I were the number one educator in the world for home improvement contractors to grow their business? That's a strategy. Then sure. I go, what are the tactics? I got my YouTube channel. I have my podcast. I have social. I have, you know, whatever. I have this and things I sure. do like this. this is to educate. And so, um, so the contractors that, that I, I know that are totally crushing it have been playing this content game for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been embracing, and this is, play, this is playing the long game too, right? It's being patient. It's understanding you're building your brand. And so, what does that look like for a window cleaning company or whatever? It's, it's, it's answering every single question that a consumer or a prospect will ever ask you. Okay. What's a safe chemical to use on the window? How do you get up there to, to clean? How do you clean the screens? Will cleaning the screens break my screens? Like I could, every industry has these things. Become the answer person with that. And even if you don't have a lot of money, create a lot of content on a big fancy website, you got this thing and you pull it out and you're on a job site, you're up on a ladder. Don't tell OSHA that. But you're up <laughs> up and you're like, hey, one of the big things that we run into all the time that a lot of companies miss is they don't clean this part of the window track and it creates this problem and this problem down the road. And then you got to replace your windows five years sooner than you should or whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
educate us. Um, so that that's a strategy. And then you figure out how am I going to do that? Another strategy that I've worked with people on and, and that we had in one of my old businesses, um, which was a painting business was, and this is a marketing strategy. What if we provided the best experience they've ever had with a customer? Then we go, what are the tactics to do that? It's email marketing. It's a client appreciation event. It's what we call warranty calls, where I call you up, Michelle. I go, Michelle, it's been a year since we you know, painted the exterior of your house. It's time for your warranty visit. And you're like, what's a warranty visit? I'm like, oh, you don't <laughs> talk about that. And I'm going to come out there, send somebody from the company out there onto the property, do a little walk around and make sure there's nothing that is a workmanship issue. Or, or a product issue that is going to grow into a bigger problem and that you're going to be on the hook for because your warranty expired. And that now is a proactive approach to get you in the door that makes it a great experience, which supports the strategy. So I, I would say what's working is every, I think everything works actually. It just might not work for you based <laughs> on how you're implementing it and what your goals are and what your strategy is. Okay. I love it. Taylor would love all those answers, wouldn't she? She would have loved that. I think we've, I think we you guys made her proud. Yeah. I do want to like call up and give everybody a hug. Like we didn't mean to really jump off a bridge. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think if you didn't have a sale, jump off a bridge, damn it. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to call you after. It's fine. Uh, hey, I, let's, let's go to Megan, please. I have to write down so many things here um, because you were just going and going and going. I love the energy. Um, I So marketing is only as strong, or sales is only as strong as our, no, the other way. Marketing is only as strong as our sales strategy, right? So I love that you really tie that in, right? If you're, if you're bringing in leads, but you're not closing those leads, you're wasting money. Um, Marcus Sheridan, I heard him all over what you just said, and we've yeah. had him on the Fight Club. We are all raving fans of Marcus Sheridan. Um, that that was awesome. Uh, the bridge, we already talked about the bridge. Um, okay, <laughs> so I'm gonna get a little confrontational for two seconds. Um, you can't outsell an unprofitable business, and it's something that I really struggle with. Is we have a lot of people that are out there sell, 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 market, 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 more sales, more sales. But if you're sitting on a mess where the bottom line's a mess, it's yeah. just going to be a bigger mess, right? Yep. So, and do we agree? I, we might not agree. Do we agree? I, I would agree that you cannot sell your, you can't scale yourself into profitability. Okay. Right? And so when I say sell, 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 and if you peek behind the curtain, we're actually the only company in the world that's training home improvement contractors of all trades to sell it at least a 50% gross profit margin. And so we're already, and, and a lot of guys, a lot of business owners are coming in and they're getting all puckered up about that going, there's no way I could do that in my area. No way you could do that in my trade, which I call total BS on. So, um, and, and I think that that's so important. So if yeah. you're sitting here and you've never heard of Tom and you've never heard of the contractor fight and you've never heard of contractor sales Academy, I just want you to hear what he just said. You cannot outsell an unprofitable business. You yeah. have to get your numbers dialed in and then you can sell the hell out of it. And Tom will show you ways to do it. So I'd like to, now that we agree, cause now I like you, I mean, I liked you before, but now I really like you. I had to now, recover from that whole bridge comment, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> I'm the hippie on the panel, you know, I just want to hug everybody. God, I wish I would have known that before we started this. <laughs> perfect. It's perfect. It actually makes it more engaging and fun. So I really like Tom and what he's about to say, and I need you to solve a problem for our listeners right now because Pressure. it's been a rough week uh -huh. um, and I've been watching the Facebook. It has been a rough week. And and we're not going to get into like victim mentalities and we're not going to get into how people are blaming circumstances, but I am feeling this in my service company and I have a growth mindset. I am not, I do not play the victim. And what we're feeling is people are getting stimulus checks. People mm -hmm. are getting tax refunds. People are getting unemployment kickers. And I have been watching on Facebook every day this week, just crying. My faucet turned off. I can't get anybody to apply. I don't have anybody coming in the door. And the responses I'm hearing are, I had to raise my base pay. I had to raise my starting pay. And my gut is just like, 
did you raise your prices while you were doing that? Like if you're going to start paying more in labor because you cannot get anybody to apply to your company, I'm sure we can talk, Martha, I'm not stepping on your toes. We can talk about all those strategies to attract people to your company, right? But if you're going to raise your costs, people always forget nobody in all those discussions this week are talking about raising their prices. Yep. And I feel like they're afraid. They're afraid that we just came out of this weird recession. We're afraid that we just came out of this weird bubble. They're afraid because you know, their phones turned off a year ago and they're finally ringing again. So they're afraid to raise their prices. And the reality is it's they don't have the skills or the strategies to be able to sell the value that they offer. And I feel like that is one of the wonderful places that you play, Tom. And so I, I want you to talk to us about that. I want you to talk to us about raising our prices, finding that 50% gross margin, and then building confidence around your brand and building confidence around your sales process. Because yeah, yeah. I see a huge need for you this week. I mean, probably every week, right? Like you said, you're dead if your phone's not ringing, right? You're not making any money. But right now, if you are going to raise your, if you're going to raise how much you're going to pay your people, yeah. you have to raise your prices. And if yeah. you're going to raise your prices, you probably need some sales strategies. Yeah. So this, this could be an episode alone, right? I know, Easily. I know. Um, <laughs> but let me let me back up because I'm I'm usually a let's let's go back to the root of the problem, all right. And first, the the problem that I want to address. I heard two things from you. One was you got to raise your prices. The second is I can't find workers. Right? Did I hear you correctly? Because I heard some of that in there. Like it's hard. Are, are to you hearing people, that? Are you, you know? hearing that in your people? Like I just I see comment after comment after comment. They're used to forty people a week and they got two. They're used to hundred people a month and they got five. You know, like. The faucet is off. Somehow the faucet turned off. Are you talking the leads faucet? The leads for staff. For the staff, yeah. for, for employees. employees. Yeah. yeah. So that's I wanted to clarify that. <laughs> so that's that's what I want to back way back up. I'm 51. I want to go back to at least when I was a young kid. Okay. As far back as I can remember, our society's been telling people the trades are a good fallback option. You've got to go to college. If you don't go to college, you're a loser. You're going to never amount to anything and blah, blah, blah. That's, that's, that was my worldview coming up. So there's that ingrained, right? Which trickles down. And then you look at, and I'm not picking on millennials here. I'm not picking, I think millennials actually will work their butts off and things like that, right? But I think we live in this world where things are easy. You push a button and it's easy. This, so I think the combination of the messaging of the trades are for losers and it's cool to be on social. It's cool to do video stuff. It's cool to do all, who wants to go work with your hands? I want to do computer stuff. I want to have a startup that does a billion dollars and say it like there's all these things that are that attention is being put on that aren't necessarily the traits. Then you add in this factor here. 90% of the contractors that the average person knows, and th this is what it was for me, I spent... It's funny, I, I spent my whole life scheming a way to not be a contractor because as much as I love them and look up to them and respect their work ethic and all this other stuff, the contractors in my family, my dad, my uncle, my, my other uncle and this and that, grandfathers, they were always dirty. They were always really tired and they never made a lot of money. Okay, so... I personally think you want to you want to build your team. You have to build the type of culture that I know we'll get into later. You have to build the type of culture that is like, man, you jump into the trades, you're going to make some cash, man. You're going to make some really good money. You're going to do cool stuff. You're going to, you, you know, um, like I have a, I come from the painting industry, and all the painter ads that you see are like a guy with a brush cutting a, a line going, come work for our team. And I'm like, that's not sexy. Give the kid a spray gun and show him a spray gun. Cause who doesn't want to pull a trigger and like <laughs> liquidy stuff comes out all over the place. Right. So there's just different approaches. So I think it's a combination of, we got to fight that, that stigma for decades, but then also this is why making money is so important is when you have more money coming in, you can offer better pay, which you should. Uh, you should you you could offer better training and consistent training, which you should. You can offer a 
place where it's fun to come to work and people look forward to going there instead of dreading a Monday, which are culture issues. And, and so I just think all these things combined are huge, but it, back to your point about you got to make more money, you got to raise your prices. Please understand here, I'm not, we're not going political here, but whatever goes on in the world, right? Like right now, there's all this stuff about, you know, taxes on businesses going up and blah, blah, blah. But what people fail to understand is when taxes on businesses go up, the average home improvement contractor doesn't make a 5% net profit, by the way, okay, after their owner's salary. So what options do the businesses have? Okay. You either keep doing things the way they are and it, it's rooted in fear. Oh my God, I can't raise my prices because then I'll go out of business. All right. When that's actually the best thing that can happen to you is going out of business if you're not going to raise your prices because you're going to be stressed <laughs> and bankrupt anyway. So let's just get it over with sooner. All right. The other option is to go, well, I have to raise my prices because it's math. This is not, there's nothing emotional here. It's math. And I understand what I mean. I know our businesses are very emotional to us. No, all right? you're, you're but, speaking our language. But yeah. if you can't, but here's the other thing. In order for you to produce the work, you got to attract the talent and hiring is just like marketing. You know, it's, you should be marketing for height for employees 365 days a year. You're always on the hunt for good people. You're always, and, and be prepared. If, if the industry average is paying guys 20 an hour, pay them 30, take money off the table. Now it's on me as a business owner to learn how to add more value, to be more efficient, to have the right equipment and tools and things so that, you know, that 30 bucks an hour isn't bankrupting me because I don't know how to sell and I'm not efficient in our operations. There's right. so many times, Michelle, you've seen this in the CSA where guys <laughs> will brag, I sold a job for $50,000 at a 60% gross profit. And then two months later, they produce the job and they have a 23% gross profit when all said and done because they didn't have the right people. And it's because they're cheap. They're like, well, I, I don't want to pay somebody 30 bucks an hour. I'm like, dude, pay him, pay him $100 an hour if it, hits, if it gets the job done and hits your margins and stuff. You know, so th this is a, like I said, this is a, a topic that we could talk for days on. But I just think, again, it comes back to, Get your emotions out of the way. You want to you want to wake up call on making money. Start job costing every project. All right. Usually, guys come into our program and I'm like, you need to raise your prices. Well, I can't do that. I said, all right, we'll do this for the next two weeks. Job cost every project. Like, and if you, and or go back and job cost the last ten. What did it cost you to do the job? What did you sell the job for? And what was left? And then I want you to ask yourself the question: Was this amount of money that's left worth it? Right. So often I see they're actually paying to go to work because they're not profitable. Right. So they're yeah. paying money to go work their tail off and they're paying money to have the headache of the no shows and the problems. Um, okay. That was super helpful. I want to go back to my point. If you, if I have seen you chattering on the Facebook this week that you are going to raise your starting pay, if you raise your starting pay, let's say you're paying 15 an hour, we're not at 30 yet. And you raise it a dollar. That's like almost 7% that your cost just went up. So let me help you with the math. Your costs are going to go up 7%. I need the top line to go up 7%. If you need help selling at a higher price, you need to reach out to Tom. He's got an entire library of free resources and some paid resources, which I hope we're going to talk about um, to help you build confidence to sell at higher prices. But please do not throw away money and raise your starting base pay without raising your prices. Don't let that come from your pocket. This is not your fault. Megan, let me... Let me piggyback on that. I, I built a painting company. We were doing three to 400 projects a year. And we got to a point where everybody was getting paid except Tom. Okay. So normal. And I've so been normal. there. I've lived it. I've been laying in bed at night with my heart pounding out of my chest, wondering how I'm going to meet the $40,000 payroll in two days when my bookkeeper just says we have 2,500 in the account. And it's because I had too much crap between my ears as far as my value, what our worth is, the value we bring people. And I, I didn't, uh, there were two big problems. Number one was, there were three big problems. Number one was my thinking. Number two was I, at the time, wasn't committed to being an expert marketer and really understanding my ideal client. And the third is I didn't, I didn't give any thought to developing my sales skills. I just thought, hey, I'm talkative and I'm likable and, you know, and, and, 
with raising your prices I'll, and I'll shut up. It is not your job to convince somebody to buy. It's not take that pressure off yourself. Okay. Michelle, you sell pink collars. It's not your job to convince somebody to do it. It's their job. You're there to guide and guide them, have a conversation. Um, listen, you have a certain amount of pain. You have some certain outcomes that you want, and this is what it's going to cost you and blah, blah, blah. It's not your job to get creative and find their money. It's their job to find their money. I have enough problems with my own money, right? I don't need to be worried about finding your money. And I, I personally believe that every single person has a magic money tree when it's something they really want. They make it happen. I mean, I, I just bought this house that I'm in and in Colorado Springs, the backyard is a total disaster. The yards are a total disaster. I mean, it's seriously, it, it's, uh, but, um, and I just signed a contract for a boatload of money for a guy that I trained in my programs, who's <laughs> in a, a Matt Heiner and Heiner landscape or Heiner outdoor living in the Springs. He's phenomenal. Okay. And he ain't cheap. And as we were sitting there and he's telling me the multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars that my yard is going to cost. <laughs> he smiled and looked at me and says, I bet you wish you would have talked to me before you coached me. Okay. <laughs> but I, but the right cust. here's the thing, the right customers, the customers we all want as contractors are people like me. All right. Where I want it off my list. I don't want to have to worry about it. I know it costs money to operate a business. Mm-hmm. All right. And I have the money to do it. All right. We all want to be working with those people. Okay. And I want to encourage the, the service providers and contractors that are watching this. There are millions and millions and millions of people in the United States of America and around the world that will gladly stroke a check for whatever amount you put out in front of them for the project or the thing that you do. If you learn how to connect with them as a human being and understand their motives for wanting to do the project it's that simple and that's a skill that can be learned it's not it you don't have to be born with it um i think you know in fact having the gift to gab is a curse in the sales world have the gift to shut up and get to somebody's motive and really understand them and that's how i sold most of my paint jobs were 50 to 100 percent higher than all my competitors for years hundreds of projects like Everyone's charging 250 to paint a room. We were charging 600, okay, for the same paint job. And it had nothing to do with the actual work. It had to do with everything that surrounded it. Like it could be the, her, I remember one lady, her dad had emphysema and lived with them. And I said, what's the worst thing that can happen when you're doing this project with whoever you hired? She says that my dad gets sicker because of his emphysema and the sanding dust and all this other stuff. And I just simply listened. And I said, well, hey, would it make sense if we did this? We did this, we did this and blah, 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 and cut down on the dust. She goes, you would do all that? And I said, yeah. She goes, the job's yours. It wasn't about the paint job. It was about her dad. And I've had it where the, the, the motive for people before was I have to paint the house, but if you wake my twins up who only sleep between one and two <laughs> every afternoon, if you wake them up, I will kill every one of your crew members, okay? Because I'm a mama that needs a nap right? And so I'm like, well, hey, what if we shifted our start time and we took our lunch there, you know, and we just made sure that in the afternoon we had no ladders on that side of the house and we were on the other side of the house the whole week that we're there. there. We'll work on that side in the mornings. And that was a job where everyone else is five or six grand and I was 15 grand. Got the job. So that I'm sharing these examples because so many people put all this pressure on themselves that I got to convince people. I got to twist their arm mm-hmm. with objection handling and all this other crap. That is not it at all. All right. Raising your prices is a piece of cake when you understand the human connection thing. And I'm going to shut up because I get no. excited. I'm gonna roll <laughs> with this stuff. You're the guest. And then if you shut up, it gets really awkward and quiet and we all kind of stare at each other and it's weird. I love it. That was fantastic. And I am going to end on that very high note of how we realize that, you know, marketing is only as strong as the follow-up sales team. And then I really believe that sales needs to be backed behind a solid profit margin. And um, so I love all that. We're going to pass you to systems because systems seems to be how we're able to deliver it all with a wonderful experience. Last thing on this sales marketing, I promise. (laughs) A lot of people, self-included, 
used to believe that, man, I, I start a business and I got to figure out the marketing right now. I actually have, what I've learned through the years is the first thing, first, if we're going to talk systems, the first system you should have in play is your sales process. Because I don't want leads coming in that I can't take full advantage of because mm -hmm. I, I don't have a sales process. Okay. And so that was a huge mistake I made early on a million years ago is I got the phone to ring like crazy. Cause I'm, I'm a prospector. I'm out knocking doors. I see a dumpster in front of a house. I'm like, Hey, I paint stuff and it looks like you're doing stuff inside. We should know each other. That's what I would just say to people. I'd wow. see a, I'd see a modeler. Hey, you, you build nice additions. I paint them. Let's be friends. Right. Like, and it was just, and that's all I did all day. So getting the phone to ring was, is actually one of the easiest things. It's what do you do when it rings? That's where a lot of guys um, really hose themselves because they don't know what to do with those coming in. So if, if we're morphing into systems, we here, are. It's, <laughs> Perfect. you've got to have that sales process nailed down. What a, Because it's, you worked hard to get the phone to ring. You worked hard to knock on the doors and all this other stuff and good marketing is like golf, right? You have a good drive down the fairway and your marketing, if it's effective and good, will put the ball really close to the cup so that by the time you get into your sales process, it's just a gimme putt. Like that's, and I heard that years ago, that analogy from somebody and say the sales call, whether it's on the phone, you're in person, however you do your thing is, um, that's when you're on the stage, right? You've been selling tickets to the event. Now it's time for you to go out and perform. And a lot of us half-ass it because we don't have a process. We don't, we didn't rehearse it, right? Would you, would you do a play or a performance or if you're a band, would you go perform without ever rehearsing? It makes no sense. Yet we do it all the time and it costs us hundreds of thousands of dollars a year because we don't have a sales process. All right, Michelle. Oh, wow. Okay, let's go. <laughs> okay, so you, Tom, you and I know what we do um, at Pink Collars, and we did a training with you guys last year called The Gatekeeper, which I thought was really cool. And a lot of business owners are their own gatekeeper, right? They have to field all those leads. They have to place them in the queue. They have to understand where they are in the process. Um, and you did talk about database, which I'll get to. So technology sometimes scares people, right? They want to work outside and with their hands and with customers, and they don't want to be in front of a computer. Um, for those people, is there, other than a database, a process that they can utilize before they get into technology that, that works? Or do you just force people to bite the bullet and, and get some sort of a CRM? What do you tell guys out there? <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm the master and I, I think I I'm the founder of outsourcing, seriously. Like if you trace it back, <laughs> I probably founded that whole concept. No, um, <laughs> that's, that's tough for me because I know there's, there's certain things that people could do, but I, they need to hire you, first of all, because it just takes, no, and I'm serious. I know you weren't teeing it up for that, but I think no. it's ridiculous that, you know, if a guy needs a, a crane on the job site, he rents a crane with an operator because he doesn't know how to operate the crane. Yeah. Yet when it comes to doing our own books, right, Megan, like how many people have you seen that have screwed up their books because I'm going to do it myself, I'm going to save some money, or people get all <laughs> cheap because they don't want to have somebody answer the phone because they, they won't answer the phone as good as me, right? Yeah. Um, yep. Well, that ain't true. So, um. I don't care what CRM somebody uses, you need to use one. I think they should be working with a company like yours to every minute that you have to spend on the administrative stuff and the bookkeeping stuff and all that technical stuff is a minute that's you're not focused on scoring points in your business. You're not spending your best energy on the thing that's going to move the needle the most in the business. And you're actually costing yourself a lot of money. I mean, last night there was a guy that reached out to me, Michelle, or he posted in one of our groups. He's like, yeah, I just, I can't keep up with all the phone calls. I've got 12 or 15 people that I haven't gotten back to for three days. And I'm like, they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. They're gone. Yeah. Like time kills deals. And so you think you're saving money by not outsourcing this stuff and 
that again, this is why I always start with, you got to sell a lot. So I got the money to invest in the right yeah. people or outsource or employees yeah. to do the jobs that need to be done regardless of my skill level. Yeah. I've, I've also seen a lot of chatter in the groups because this is really a culture of gigs. And a lot of guys were really concerned about their subs going out and either contracting with the customer directly or communicating with the customer directly. What can you put in place? Because I know a system we put in place, but what have you seen out there that you can put in place that helps protect that relationship and keep that communication with you and your subs and keep that kind of all in a tight bubble? Have you seen something that works out there? Because I know a lot of guys are struggling with that one too. Aside from having the right, subcontractor agreements in place and all that paperwork stuff, which 90% of them don't have, right? Sure. They, they just sure. don't. And, <laughs> um, and that doesn't mean that you want to lean on that and play hardball and go, you can't have my customers and be a jerk sure. about that. But you still need to have that stuff in place for those worst case scenarios. Um, what we've always done, Michelle, is we focused on building the community that we have with our team, whether it's our subs or our employees through the years. And a lot of guys treat their subs like they're less than, you know, and, and the flip side is a lot of subs view the GCs as a bunch of cheap ogres that don't want them to be successful. Yeah. And it's because, you know, human beings have <clears throat> some common uh, fears and some common needs that are driven from those, those, uh, those fears. One of the fears is we fear the outsider. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's why you go down to South America in the jungle and they put your head on a pike. All right. Cause you're the outsider. And so that's why when you hire you're you're growing up girls in high school, right. And the new pretty girl moved in, you know, you all hated her cause she's the outsider. Right. Um, that's why if you're the athlete and you're, or if you're a guy on the crew and you're the best painter, you're the best, this, and the new guys hired, you got an eye on the new guy because he's a threat to me. Okay. So we fear the outsider, which drives a need to create community. And I just see so many, so many of these problems with my subs going after my customers and this and that is it's the business owners not doing a good job of keeping them in the loop of what's going on and having regular meetings and updates and telling them, Hey, here's projects that are on the radar and doing some education to really, really, we educated our subs and our employees Every, every week we had a training meeting. The subs weren't there every week. They were there once a month. But every week we were doing some training on everything from, you know, how to knock on the door to where to park to how to do an upsell, how we bid our jobs, how we, what gross profit means, why are we hounding the man hours all the time? I mean, and what that did is it really built a, a really tight team of subs and employees that respected each other. <clears throat> And then they didn't feel like they had to go poach our customers because they understood how hard we were working to get the phone to ring and to keep everybody busy and, and this and that. So to me, it comes down to the community aspect of having that, that weekly or you know at least a couple times a month meeting in place. That's a process and agenda and what we're going to train on and do some role play and stuff like that. I think that heads that off. That with the um actions is of you of trying to help your subs succeed a lot of times you don't talk to your subs unless you need them to do a project and you have no other communication you build no other relationship with them and then their phone's not ringing your old customer happens to call them and now they're undercutting you yeah you don't have that relationship sure well, that leads right into Martha, who's going to talk about people and culture. So that was perfect. Um, that I'll hand it over to Martha. Thanks so much, Tom. That was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, Tom, did you go through a learning curve at all when you, with your employees and subs? Like, I've heard you talk about what you learned about the marketing and sales process along the way, but... Did you ever have that aha moment with your employees where you had to kind of turn things around? Yeah, I've had several of them. Um, when I started my painting business, I was just a couple years, few years out of the Marine Corps. And it takes about 
23 years to decompress from the Marine Corps. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> no, but I, I grew up, you know, my, like I said, my dad was in the trays, uncles, all this other, and their style of leadership was yell, bark, do what I said, or I'm going to knock you in the face. Like, I mean, I've seen it all on job sites growing up. And that's why I wanted out of the trades. I didn't want to work for my dad. He was a jerk, right? He just just yelled at everybody all the time. Yeah. And then I come out of the Marine Corps where people, you do what you're told to do when somebody outranks you, right? So it's just like, it doesn't matter how you feel about it. You're like, yes, sir. I'll, you know, you, you do the thing. I had this, uh, my top foreman one time, we were at this big house. It was a three-story home outside of Chicago where they rip, they give you a million bucks for your house. They rip it down and they put up a bigger house, right? Tear down thing and a bunch of those going on. And we had to stain all these windows in this house and he's up on the third floor and I go up and the way he was doing them, I didn't think was real efficient. And I said, Hey man, why don't you pull it out and put it on the horses and stain both sash, you know, and get some setups and blah, blah, blah. And, um, yeah, but I, I thought this and blah, blah, like he just, whatever. And, and honestly, he was doing just fine. He was fine. Okay. We were going to accomplish the same thing. Save you all the details. The, it ended with me saying, if you don't stain the window, the way I want you to stain the window, I'm going to throw your ass out this window, three stories to your death. Like I didn't say to your death, but that's based. And he looks out the window because the sashes are out. He looks back at me, he goes, okay, I'll do it your way, right? Like, and he just diffused it. That was how I used to lead. And then my business partner at the time, very different temperament of me. And he taught me a lot of lessons about walking with somebody, nurturing somebody, making it a safe environment for people to feel like they can grow and develop, make mistakes. They're not always in the doghouse. And we were together several years. And on the flip side of that, um, you know, when the great recession hit, we cut everyone's pay 20%. We cut our pay 30%. Um, We moved out of the office we were in. And the day we moved out of the office, it was empty. We had a company meeting there and we all sat on the floor. And I remember saying, I know you all got to do what you got to do for your families. We took money from you, blah, blah, blah. Um, But we got to keep this thing alive. And I would just encourage you to stay because I believe we're stronger together than we are apart. And we're going to find a way through this. And Martha, nobody left. Nobody left the company. This was several years after the window incident. And what had happened in that gap is we really created the type of place where we treated them like adults. We didn't micromanage them. We gave them clear outcomes. We had regular meetings. We rewarded the behavior we wanted more of. We gave them recognition. We, um, and, and like I said before, this was, wasn't all me, is but big part my, my former business partner. And it taught me a lot of lessons. Um, in between all that time, there was a time that we actually had to take control of the asylum because we had, uh, I remember one time, I think we had 12 employees. I call this Black Monday. And it was, our crew was so out of hand. This was an aha moment as well about waking up as a leader. Um, our crew was so out of hand that I'd go, Martha, I want you and Michelle to go to the Smith job and power wash it or whatever. And Martha would go, I'm not working with Michelle. Yeah. Okay. And what ha- and this happens in the trades a lot is guys start telling you who they're going to work with, who they're not going to work with. <clears throat> and, and then we had this guy who wouldn't do what the crew leader told him. Or, uh, this was a Monday on Saturday. They had this job and the crew leader was like, listen, Raphael, five times I had to tell him to use a work light because I knew he couldn't see. They were stripping and staining this beautiful bar in somebody's basement. It was dark. And the crew leader's like, dude, I need you to use the light. You need a work light. I know what I'm doing. I'm not, you didn't tell me what to do, blah, blah, blah. So Monday I go in to address this with Raphael, who doesn't speak English, by the way. So I had a translator there, one of the other guys on the crew. <clears throat> Raphael, you need to listen to the foreman. <clears throat> well, you need, basically, this is all translated back. I need more money. 
and said, well, you have no hope of ever making more money if number one, you don't do your job the way we need to do your job. Number two, you need to learn English and how to knock on the door and say, hi, Mrs. Jones, I'm Raphael. I'm here to paint your bathroom. And then you could fill out the paperwork and the work orders and all that other stuff and collect money. So you could do that. You're not worth any more money. Okay. I'm speeding this up. So yeah. <clears throat> Raphael basically says, that ain't going to work for me. I said, okay, you don't work here anymore. He goes in, grabs his toolbox. He's out. I'm out front of this house. I got my whole crew in there. There's like 12 guys in there doing stuff. Raphael uh, walks in, another guy walks out, says, if you fire him, I go too, because he's my ride. <laughs> well, and I go, I go, well, you either find a new ride to work or you don't work here anymore. And he's like, I don't work here anymore. He goes in another two guys come out. This guy that needed the ride, his brother is one of the other guys. And the other guy that came with him is married to his sister or some crap. <laughs> Oh and man! When all was said and done, I fired seven of our 12 employees. I called my business partner. I said, I got good news and I have bad news. He's like, oh God, now what? He says, what's the good news? I said, we've taken control of our company again. Because these were all the toxic guys. They really were. Mm -hmm. I said, he goes, what's the, what's the, uh, what's the bad news? I said, we only got five guys left. And <laughs> instantly I pulled those five together. I gave them all a big raise. I said, guys, here's the deal. You're the right five. I'd rather win with the right few than the wrong many. And, and it was funny. Those five, every one of them came up to me individually, said, it's about time you got rid of the toxic people here. It's about time you did this. And our profit went up overnight with seven less guys. We were awake, making way more money. It was the type of place where people wanted to wake up and come to work. And they felt that sense of community. They felt the, they wanted accountability. They wanted recognition. So that was a huge aha moment is sometimes you got to just plant a flag and go, I, I can't let, I was, they were walking all over us, but it was yeah. self-imposed, right? Because right. we were, we thought it was about the paint job and the paycheck when it was really about so many more things. And my aha moment seems small compared to yeah. <laughs> mine was just a phone call. And fire 60% of your people. Go do it. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. You're going well, all you know, percentages on us now. Oh, wow. uh, you're the CPA, all percentages on us. 60%. That's funny. So that, is, numbers, that is great. And I think the people listening, it would resonate with mm -hmm. a lot of people. Either they've been there or they are there or they've seen somebody there, you know. Um, but what I see happening, Tom, is that I see people who go through that, but I think it doesn't, they don't hit their aha moment. They think they do, but they don't. And then they slip back into letting those toxic people in. Yeah, we got to get the room painted. We got to get the windows washed. We got to blah, blah, blah. And there were times when we took back control of our company there that my partner and I had to put the painter's whites back on. We jumped out in the field. I'm like, I am not going to be held hostage in my own company. I'm not going to just have money flow through me to other people. And I don't, I'm left with nothing. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I mean by planting your flag. Now, I fast forward to that day that we were in our office during the recession. And then we got through the great recession with all of our people. I pulled one of those guys that was in that room that day aside. I said, why, why didn't you guys leave? He's like, because we know we like it here. We know you care about us. Yeah. It, and we like the people that are here. Like it. And he's like, we just knew it was funny. He's like, we knew that if, as long as we feel supported and we feel like we could be successful here and we have room to grow. And a lot of, a lot of people don't, that's a different topic, but they got it. Winners want a path to more winning. Mm -hmm. right? They don't want to just stay here. And we right. provided that path. He's like, so where else would we go? We feel respected. And yeah. that's a huge aha that I don't even think I fully understood it back then. Like I do now, but we have our goals as business owners, right? We're, we're entrepreneurial, we're 
driven, we're all this other stuff. We want to accomplish things. The people that work for us, they want to accomplish things too. Right. You know, we had a guy and it might not be building a big business and it might not be related to that, but it could be one of our guys was, we made it a point to sit down and go, what do you want to accomplish this year personally in your life? We, it was in our vision meeting. We had a vision meeting mm -hmm. kickoff every year. And this one guy goes, <clears throat> I promised my wife I would take her to the Herring Harrington bed and breakfast seven years mm -hmm. ago in Geneva, Illinois. It's a, it was a really nice place there. Yeah. Like, and I still haven't, I still haven't done it. I haven't been able to do it because it's been tight. Okay. Seven years. And he was a foreman and one of our crew leaders. And so I'm like, well, I'll tell you what, you know, if you hit your upsell goal this quarter, I'll pay for a weekend for you and your wife to go to this thing. And he was like, what? And that was an aha moment. Like when you, yeah. Dick Diggler, right? You help enough people get what they want. You're going to get what you want. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us forget that. So he knocked the goal out of the park, had a great weekend with his wife, was fine. He, he had the pride of being able to take her away. Um, you know, we've had uh, in our programs, when we teach this culture, we do our leadership workshops and stuff. I get feedback a year later going, man, this, this totally set the tone for a new way of operating around here. I had two employees buy their first house. I had this happen. I had, you know, <clears throat> it's just, it's, it's a people game. It's not a numbers game. Yeah. The numbers yeah. are important, but um, if, if you have anything in your business where if you got bad apples, if you got guys not filling out timesheets, if you got, you know, stuff, that I've talked to the guy, these guys 10 times and they still won't do it. 100% of the time, it's, it's on you as the owner. You, it's, it's on you to figure out how to sell them. Remember, we got to understand their pain, their pleasure, their motives, all that, just like a customer. And when you can do that with your own people, you know, in fact, yesterday I was talking to, um, I talked to two amazing people yesterday. One is Cameron Harold. Um, <clears throat> who took 1-800-GOT-JUNK from 2 million to 106 million in six years. Wow. And as their COO, he's been on my podcast a few times. <clears throat> and then I talked to John Warlow who wrote Built to Sell. And they're both on my podcast. We recorded yesterday. And it was one of them that said, I forget who it was. I think it was John. Too many owners are trying to sell, spending all their time selling their customers when he says most of your time as an owner should be spent inside your organization selling them. And, and because, what's that? Selling to your own customer. customer. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, Martha, we, we have this thing called the profit path that we teach where, uh, and this was kind of ripped off. I ripped it off years ago from a Harvard study years ago called the uh, service, uh, service profit chain or something like that, that Harvard did, whatever. It's all this research. And I, I connected these dots that came up with the profit path. When you look at a business that's struggling financially, I'm not making money, not selling, we're not profitable, this and that. 90% of contractors, I do this live in front of a room, a couple hundred contractors, and I'll, they'll raise their hands. I go, what do you think the problem is? 90% of the hands go, got to do higher quality work. Mm -hmm. That's where they always go. <clears throat> And there's eight or nine, there's eight or nine things that I put up that are like these cards and I mm -hmm. have people move around in the right order of the profit path. <clears throat> Excuse me. And everyone always puts quality work first or they put customer satisfaction first. Got to make my customers mm -hmm. happy or I got to do quality work. When in reality, here's the culture part strong profit consistently profitable business over time starts with strong leadership that has a clear intention clear goal knows where we want to go which creates a culture okay which mm -hmm. sets the direction of the culture that culture will then satisfy or dissatisfy the employees when you have satisfied employees you have loyal employees when you have loyal employees you have more productive employees, when you have more productive and happy employees, you have higher quality work. When you have higher quality work, you have customer satisfaction. 
which leads to customer loyalty, which leads to profit. Mm -hmm. So it starts with me, our culture, and our people selling right. inside the organization. Tom, Martha yeah. has a whole program called Culture First. I love it. Yeah, Huge and one. I have a program called Planning for Profit. <laughs> I feel like we should all be friends. Um, can we, yeah. can you just, can you just do, can you tell us what's happening at the end of April? Can we do that real quick? Sorry. Am I, oh, am I cutting yeah. off Martha? I'm sorry. No, I'm okay. <laughs> We can go on forever. We never go long. So I want to hear a speckle of time. And Tom, you just got to tell us what's happening at the end of April. Yeah, our contractor sales academy is having um, a, net, we call it the next level event. Take your sales to the next level. And it's um, the, the full event package is three days. The first day is my uh, contractor sales academy team, my partners, my coaches. We're doing a full day workshop on, basically how to sell more, right? How to sell at higher prices, how to get, uh, you know, we talked about raising prices and the crap around that. Well, how do you actually implement it? A lot of people go, yeah, I, I need to raise them. I don't know how in the sales process. Uh, so we're going to dig into that, that whole first day. Um, and then uh, the second day we have Marcus Sheridan coming and doing a full day workshop on uh, digital marketing and leadership and, and some of that stuff. We've had him do other events for us in the past through the years. So he's a, he's a good friend of the Contractor Sales Academy. And then the third day is networking out at the beach in the pool and just hanging out and uh, picking each other's brains and having a good time. So that's, um, what is it? The 28th, I guess, of April mm -hmm. um, down in uh, Destin, Florida. We're excited. Right. Cool. So cool. cool. Yeah, we love Marcus. He's yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, so usually we do a round of homework. If this is your first week joining us for Fight Club, uh, you do not have to do all three or four homework topics. We just ask that you do one. We want you to move your business forward. We want this to not just be another opportunity to learn and absorb information. We need you to actually implement and go do it. So uh, we're going to give you three to four options. Tom, it's up to you if you want to assign homework or if you want to pass. Uh, we're going to give you some homework assignments. And then uh, we have a Facebook group where we can help hold you accountable to make sure you actually are moving the needle in your business. Um, so for finance, I think it's super simple this week. I'm just going to tell you to raise your prices. That's all, that's all I'm going to say. I raise your prices at 1%, 3%, 5%, 25%, raise your prices. And if you need help building the confidence to sell at higher prices, I encourage you to check out Tom's program. And if you don't have time to check out Tom's program, I encourage you to go to Florida for three days because we all have time to go to Florida for three days. Um, so that's my homework. Raise your prices. That's all I got to say for finances this week. Love it. And for sales and marketing and for systems, I'm going to say, look at your sales process. What are you doing with those incoming leads? How are you managing them? And then how are you touching back to them, reaching back out to them? Because if you're not communicating with your potential leads or clients that you didn't work with, you're really leaving money on the table. Like Tom said, you're leaving a lot of uh, money and profit and opportunity on the table. So look at your sales process um, and how you can get those leads organized and you can talk to them again. And then I will also put a link up to the Florida event for people to check that out. So that's my homework for this week. <laughs> and the people homework is I want you to think about your culture. And Tom mentioned several, several times about respect, respect for your team members and then your team members having respect for management. And so I want you to think about, like, rate yourself, rate your culture. What level of respect do you have in your business? And then I want you to list out the things that make you answer that. Like, like what are the ways that you show respect to your staff? And then same thing, because I think that that is something that um, we don't give enough credence to. And when people are so worried about, uh, oh, my, you know, employees knowing what I charge or da, 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 da. the reason that's a, tr a problem is because there's no, you haven't built a culture of respect. And if you had, there's not this us and them mentality going on. So yeah, I really appreciate that, Tom. That was just, that that's my homework. <laughs> Love and, it. Tom, do you want to give them any homework? 
You don't have to. I have one or two things I'm going back and forth on here. Um, I'm going to say start the day by making the sale, the first sale of the day to yourself. Okay. And that is write down three things you're grateful for every day. I, I do every day right here in my, I have what we call a fight planner. And you can see three things I'm grateful <laughs> for. And then right here, I have three I am statements. Okay. These are my affirmations. And, and I had, I know a lot of people struggle with the whole money thing and raising prices and value that haunted me for many years. And every day, 365 days a year for the past several years, <clears throat> the first I am I write down is I'm a magnet for money and success. I'm a magnet for mm -hmm. money. I walk around, I say to myself, making money is a piece of cake. There are millions of people <laughs> that can't wait to give me tons of money. Okay. And so this is the sale I have to make to myself. Yeah. And so I would encourage people to start the day. Um, it's, it's really hard to have a shitty day when you're not grateful or when you're grateful. And it's really hard to not make progress of these things that we've been talking about when you're telling your subconscious how it's going to behave and how you roll. So wow. that's my homework. Good stuff. That's good stuff. That's awesome. Okay, yeah. Tom, like how can people find you if they want to listen to your podcast? Tell us where we can find you and we'll obviously put those links up as well. Yeah, you know, the easiest place is just thecontractorfight.com or on any social network, uh, iTunes, YouTube, Contractor Fight. You'll, you'll find everything that we have going on there. Love it. Well, thank you nice. so, so much for being here. We really appreciate it. We're sorry Tay couldn't join us and we hope to see her next week. And you guys have a terrific week out there fighting. Quote I appreciate every one of you. Yeah. What else do we have? Quote? quote of the week. Oh, the quote of the week. That's right. I always forget my own quote of the week and it's alone. We can do so little, but together we can do so much and I'll post it in the group. Thanks so much, everybody. Thanks. All right. <laughs> Go fight. Bye. Bye. Have a great day, everyone. Connect with Fight Club for Business. Join our Facebook group where we have weekly homework, accountabilities, and an awesome community to help you fight for your business. Facebook.com slash Fight Club for, as in the number four, business. Fight Club for Business.